0: Focus on Headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, it's been a long time, but they're back together, the Sochi sisters, Kwon Cheji. Chae Guys, welcome back. Good evening. It's weird, huh? It's been a really long time since you guys are together. Really?
1: That was a good sync, by the way. Yeah, I was
2: seeing that c- coming up. <laughs>
0: I don't know what you guys are talking about, <laughs> but it's good to see you guys again. <laughs> uh, we are going to start things off on the diplomatic front. South Korea and the Netherlands top leaders have agreed on a uh, chip alliance during President Yoon suk state visit there this week. A uh, whole lot of, uh, I guess, emphasis on semiconductor alliance, and this is expected to deal with supply chain crises, boost the semiconductor ecosystem for both countries. So, to start us off, of, give us the details of the agreements made by the two leaders during the meeting.
2: All right, uh, this visit to the Netherlands was really deeply focused on cooperation in the semiconductor sector, as was predicted, and this to strengthen competitiveness in the field, as both South Korea and the Netherlands are already top leaders in the semiconductor market. According to the presidential office, President Yoon's visit served as an opportunity to secure competitiveness throughout the entire semiconductor production cycle through the alliance with the Netherlands. Lens, which is a semiconductor equipment powerhouse, and uh, especially following also the establishment of partnerships with the U.S. and Japan. At the same time, it is also expected to help in establishing a global cooperation channel. In this way, diversification of supply and demand of key materials will be possible, meaning less dependence on China and stabilization of supply chains centered on countries that share liberal democratic values. In their joint statement released after the bilateral summit between President Yoon Suk-yeol and Dutch Prime Minister Mark it said the two leaders recognized their position in the semiconductor value chain as being unique and complementary and with that reaffirmed their commitment to establish a semiconductor alliance which involves a participation of both countries' governments, uh, the business sector and academia or more specific universities. President Yoon during the press conference stressed that the CHIP alliance means discussing and resolving important scientific and technological issues together, closely share information, and jointly advance cutting-edge technologies. Jun and Rutte agreed to start a bilateral semiconductor dialogue and a talent program on top of expanding business-to-business cooperation. Highlighting the technology alliance was President Yoon's visit to the headquarters of ASML, a globally leading Dutch semiconductor equipment producer, which is the world's only manufacturer of extreme ultraviolet lithography machines, which uh, are crucial in making advanced chips. In a symbolic move, President Yoon was the first head of state to whom the clean room was revealed, a facility uh, inside the ASML headquarters, to inspect the latest EUV equipment production. And in addition to semiconductors, the two sides also agreed on cooperation in nuclear power plants and carbon-free energy, as well as digital technologies, mobile communications, and quantum research.
0: And for all of our listeners out there, we'll get into more on President Yoon's uh, four-day state visit to the Netherlands and some of the results and outcomes of his state visit there with uh, Professor Hsing Sang-yap in the second half of our program, so do stick around. Uh, In the meantime, While uh, President Yoon was in the Netherlands, uh, he mentioned a very special, I guess, model or name in the Korean history of automobiles, uh, the pony car. Uh, to emphasize the special bilateral ties between the two countries, Ji, uh, tell us uh, why the mentioning of uh, the pony.
1: Sure. So President Yoon Suk-yeol, during his state visit to the Netherlands, brought up the topic of Korea's pony car when introducing the bilateral cooperation between South Korea the, and the Netherlands. Now, during the Korea Dutch Business Forum held in Amsterdam, uh, Yoon surprised everyone by sharing the history of Korea's trade relations with the Netherlands. You. Uh, Yoon mentioned that Amsterdam uh, played a significant role in introducing Korea's first domestic car, the Pony, to the European market in 1979. And Korea's first trade center in Europe was opened more than 60 years ago in the Netherlands, making it a crucial trade partner. And thanks to Pony's success, Korean cars have become one of the most popular models in the country today. And Yoon also highlighted that the partnership between the two countries has evolved over the years, and now semiconductors are a symbol of the continued bilateral cooperation that began with the Pony. Uh, President Yoon said in his speech, we're currently facing incredibly complex problems crises, such as intense competition for technological supremacy, geopolitical crises, and climate change. However, despite these challenges, two countries, the two countries with shared universal values continue to maintain an exemplary cooperative relationship, and also uh, the Korean companies have established research and development centers in Korea, uh, and the graduate students of both countries are learning cutting-edge technologies together, and the two governments have established a semiconductor dialogue channel as well. And he also explained there is a tremendous potential for bilateral cooperation in the field of carbon-free energy, including nuclear power, hydrogen, and offshore wind power uh, to achieve carbon neutrality and energy security. The president also expressed anticipation for continued cooperation between the port of Rotterdam and the port of Busan, which are both global logistics hubs. And after the forum, companies and organizations from both countries signed 19 MOUs and contracts for cooperation in high-tech industry, carbon-free energy, logistics, and agriculture.
0: Speaking of the ponies, Quite an interesting name for a car when the Americans were making things like the Mustang, right? And the (laughs) Pony seems uh, so cute compared to it. But it is an iconic uh, car that uh, even till this day many car collectors uh, try to still try to get a hold of uh, but nevertheless we talked about uh, leading up to President Yoon's uh, State visit to the Netherlands he's the first South Korean president to make a state visit to the European country But he also became uh, I guess naturally so the first Korean president to visit two very special places over mm-hmm. in the Netherlands uh, Let's talk about those places.
1: Sure So President Yoon's visit to the Hall of Knights in The Hague as the first Korean head of state to do so was a remarkable moment for the two nations. Now, the Hall of Knights, which hosted the Second Hague Peace Conference in 1907, is a site of great significance, and President Yoon's presence there was a powerful symbol of the enduring friendship between the two countries. And following a business luncheon uh, with Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte, uh, is that Rutte? Rutte. Rutte. does a great job with <laughs> this. Uh, President Yuan viewed exhibits related to the 116-year-old peace conference, which showcased the diplomatic efforts made by various countries to promote peace and stability. Now, the visit was an acknowledgement of the importance of diplomacy in resolving conflicts and promoting peaceful coexistence. And also, President Yoon paid tribute to the patriotic spirit of the Korean soldiers who played a crucial role in restoring national sovereignty and independence. And upon concluding his meeting with Ruth... (laughs) <laughs> president Yoon uh, proceeded to pay a visit to the A peace Museum alone as the sole memorial to the Korean independence movement in Europe uh, it holds a special significance and uh, and the uh, pr- special significance because it is the only memorial of this independence movement in the European region.
0: Yeah, again, there was a uh, quite, it's, it's almost kind of surprising that 60 years of bilateral relations between the two countries, that it is the first time uh, that a South Korean president has made a state visit, and we've talked about the remarkable welcoming ceremonies that was introduced uh, to President Yoon suk and so forth. And again, uh, moving forward, we do hope for that this uh, semiconductor alliance that the two countries were able to form uh, continues very, very strong moving forward here. Uh, we're going to move on to domestic politics this time. Uh, certainly has been seeing, leading up to the general elections uh, next April 10th now, we have uh, about uh, four, less than four months, and we've been seeing a lot of changes here and there. Uh, We've briefly mentioned this as our breaking news last night. Uh, People Power Party chairman, and we should say now former Chairman Kim Gi-hun stepping down from his position uh, at around uh, 5 p.m. It was announced uh, yesterday, which now resulted in a transitioning of the party into an emergency leadership committee system. So uh, give us the details of this and what this uh, emergency leadership committee system means for the People Power Party. <laughs>
2: Right, so uh, starting with former chairman Kim ki resignation, he had been under mounting pressure recently to reform the party ahead of the general elections in April. And also it comes on the heels of another heavyweight of the PPP, Representative Tang Jae-won, who declared he won't run for the general elections to help the party's general success. So Kim on social media yesterday had a similar message saying, quote-unquote, despite my objections, I would like to fulfill my responsibilities by reflecting on myself for what has happened in order to ensure the success of the Yoon administration and, again, the overall victory of the uh, People Power Party as they are imperative commands from a historical context. So, the PPP will now have to operate under an emergency leadership committee system as was decided following meetings with members of the party led by Acting Party Chief and Floor, floor Leader Yoon Ok to discuss follow-up measures after Kim's resignation. So they came to the conclusion to appoint a new emergency committee leader as soon as possible, as they believe there is not enough time to properly select a new party chair. Although specific candidates were not mentioned, the focus was on someone who would earn the trust of the public, meet the eye level of the public, and also is capable of leading the PPP to victory in the April general election. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a politician uh yun said however regarding the possibility of maybe having two committee leaders uh one having one of them he said is deemed more efficient
0: Yeah. Mm. So we have four months now. And uh, the interesting thing is that the the innovation committee that we talked about Mm -hmm. right before, which is now done and over with Mm -hmm. uh, in Johan, I think one of the things that he was pushing for is for the leadership change was what he was saying. right? Mm -hmm. And if you look at some of the uh, the polling that's been coming out, opinion surveys, uh, the PPP hasn't been doing too well. uh, And there's some questions in regards to how well they're going to fare in next year's general elections and the numbers at least, and then the polls don't really mean much, right? I mean, but still uh, if you take out a sample of a thousand people for instance, uh, it shows that the DP uh, is leading so far, which means they need a big change, but four months now without a leader right now emergency committee, leadership committee is this going to be enough for them to lead them to a victory in next year's general Mm -hmm. elections?
2: And uh, speaking of uh, uh, earlier, former innovation committee Leader uh, In Yohan, he yeah. is actually also among those uh, who have been kind of speculated to could lead the committee, uh, along with Justice Minister Han Dong head of the pre- Presidential Committee on National Unity Kim han Gil, Transport Minister Won Hee Ryong, and also Kim Byung Jun, former Liberty Korea Party's Emergency Committee Chairman, and Ande Hee, former Supreme Court Justice. So, although officially they have not mentioned any candidates, these are those uh, who have been speculated who is could it, lead the yeah, committee. It,
0: it's interesting you mentioned uh, Justice Minister uh, Han Dong-hoon because uh, right now the consensus is that he's going to be running for a parliamentary seat for Mm -hmm. next year right but I think eventually because the consensus is that the next maybe uh, PPP candidate for the presidential elections after the end of the Yun administration is that Han Dong-hoon might run for president right but one of the routes that they take is you get parliamentary seat first and then maybe have a a leadership role and back to uh, or kind of what would be what would it be a leadership role and then parliamentary seat and then presidential elections or it could be the other way around He mm-hmm. could have the leadership now and then you know uh, resign uh, go going to a parliamentary seat and then of course presidential elections but there wouldn't be enough time for a parliamentary seat if he runs for if he doesn't run next year so maybe would maybe uh, could be uh, in the picture here who knows but another interesting thing we're seeing right now is with the democratic party and we've been seeing a rift within the party as well. There's a group of reform-minded lawmakers within the main opposition Democratic Party calling for Lee jae resignation as the chair and then interim leadership ahead of uh, April's general elections. Chi tell us what this is all about.
1: Sure. So during a press conference held earlier today, a group of South Korean lawmakers who named their group Principle and Common Sense, hmm. uh, comprising of Kim Jong-min, Yoon Young-chan, Lee won and Lee won and Cho Eung-cheon made an appeal to senior party leaders to relinquish their privileges and make necessary sacrifices for the betterment of the whole party. Now, the group specifically urged Lee Jae-myung, who is the subject of various corruption allegations, to step aside so that the party can secure an electoral victory that clearly demonstrates the public's disapproval of the current administration led by President Yoon suk yeol They stated that such a sacrifice would be followed by similar decisions by party members who are close to him, as well as those who are more uh, distant. Now, the four lawmakers emphasize that the public expects the party to take concrete steps to mitigate the risks posed by Lee's leadership to secure an electoral victory and alleviate widespread uh, misgivings. And additionally, they called on the party leadership to fulfill an earlier promise to maintain an interlocked proportional representation system that gives advantages to minor parties. And they also urged the leadership not to create a satellite party intended solely to secure more seats in the elections. Now, the four lawmakers' appeal was an earnest attempt to foster a culture of integrity and accountability within the party and to encourage a sense of solidarity among party members, especially in the lead up to the upcoming elections. And also, the two first time Democratic Party lawmakers announced on Wednesday that they will not be running in next year's general election. Now, they are Hong Sang Guk, uh, a former president of Mide Asateo, who joined the party during the 21st general election as a recruit, and there's also Tan-hee, a former judge, both declaring to leave their seats on the same day.
0: So again, we've been talking about how there's been a lot of movements before the now four months uh, until the general elections here. A name that's coming up a lot is Inagyan. We talked about sort of the the anti-Lee Myung faction that's kind of forming within the DP and Inagyan, uh, who was kind of the, the presidential hopeful uh, some years ago and he was a favorite at one time before jae Myung kind of took over as the uh, DP's uh, presidential candidate. Inaghen's been hinting at possibility of making a new party and there was rumors here and there and now it seems like he, along with some of the other lawmakers, are making a move to launch this new party ahead of the April general election. So tell us more about this.
2: Right. Uh, it's been now uh, pretty much declared, but uh, now he is also suggesting the possibility of more uh, details of who he's going to um, you know, be part mm-hmm. of with this party. So in the latest remarks regarding uh, the declaration to establish a new political party uh, on Wednesday, so that's when he made it official. So uh, former Prime Minister of the Moon Jae-in administration Administration and ex-leader of the Democratic Party of Korea voiced hopes to have Yang Hyang-ja, a leader of the Minor Progressive Hope of Korea Party, who used to be a chip technician at Samsung Electronics, and Kim tae sob a former DP lawmaker, on his side for his envisioned party. And uh, this statement was made during an interview with Kim. KBS radio this Thursday he said the two share the same thoughts in regarding to the country's uh, crisis and also generally in how the nation's politics must change. When asked about whether he aims to make um, some kind of figure join who's going to bring about lots of impact he said being obsessed with reputation is not good I guess that's a question made by uh, um, people because because, you know, if this new kind of party would have to have some, you know, big figures so that people would actually, you know, vote for that party. Right. And uh, adding he aims to have um, experts in each field who did not have many opportunities so far in politics. And also he wants a lot of young people to be part of this new party. Uh, regarding current incumbent members of other parties who maybe could join, he said it's not appropriate to talk about that, especially ahead of the uh elections and there are mixed responses regarding Yi's surprise announcement and uh, I would actually say there are more negative responses uh, because there are also many doubts from the progressive side because this could actually hinder the DP Mm -hmm, as well in winning with this new predicted party because the votes you know could uh, be uh, split among the people who are for the progressive Parties.
0: yeah because even amongst the DP supporters there's a, a rift yeah. uh, because of uh, you know I young right a lot of people there's a lot of DP supporters who believe that the uh, Young is a uh, legal uh, liability and so even if they want to vote DP they don't want to uh, because of young's leadership and so then they could switch uh, to whatever party that eno against uh, you know Deciding to create here. And I know that last week, I believe, he had talks with a former DP lawmaker in Yi min and they had talks. And so I think there's already, I don't know if there's a recruiting process going on, but there is a group of lawmakers who want to kind of shift out of the DP and join Inagian in this new. Uh, party and I know also that Lee suck suk of course the former PPP leader uh, is set to announce that he's going to be leaving the party uh, sometime this month and form his own party as well. Uh, let's move on here the Ministry of Health announcing on Wednesday a series of measures to assist the young recluses in reintegrating into society. Now this marks the first cross-government initiative aimed at young people who rarely leave their homes. Gee, what's this about?
1: All right. So as per the government's definition, there are around 540,000 young adults between the ages of 19 to 34 in the country who are considered as isolated youths due to their limited social interaction. And among them, approximately 240,000 are classified as the reclusive youths since they do not participate in any social activities and rarely leave their homes, like you said, uh, per the Ministry of Health and Welfare. Now, the health minister Cho Hong expressed his concern and stated that a large number of young individuals are grappling with anxiety due to uncertainty around their future. And to prevent potential social issues, the government is taking proactive measures to support their integration into daily life with their peers. And as part of the government's recent initiatives, the ministry aims to enhance collaboration among regional governments, police, fire departments, and citizens to identify and support reclusive youths effectively. And the government has also planned to provide consulting programs and other tailored support for some 1,903 individuals who have formally requested help. And also, the health ministry will open a one-stop support center in the second half of 2024, which will allow the youths to take self-diagnosis tests online as well. A recent survey conducted by the state-run Korea Institute for Health and Social Affairs involving over 200 21,000 individuals aged 19 to 39 in isolation showed that 80% of the respondents expressed a desire to overcome their situation. However, more than half reported not receiving assistance, mainly due to a lack of information and financial burden. And in fact, recently in our society, um, there have been more debts of single households. Mm. And usually it used to be the elderly people, but a lot more young people are uh, committing suicide side and those who are living alone and are socially isolated
0: you know the hardest thing is seeking out help first right and and, uh, there's so much social stigma in in issues like this and it really is uh, really unfortunate Uh, let's move on here south korea applied to broaden its import portfolio of key industrial materials by the year 2030 as well let's get more on this
2: Right. Uh, South Korea's Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy announced on Wednesday that it aims to expand its diversity of sources of key industrial material imports in the next uh, seven years or so. This is in a bid to reduce its dependency on just a few countries. So the plan involves 185 items like uh, graphite and rare earth magnets, while the reliance on specific countries stands at some 70% right now regarding these items. The government's plan is to put this figure down to 50%. Industry Minister Pang mun is, said that the strategy is aiming to form a robust industrial supply chain by thoroughly managing the supply of these 185 items. And if we just look at the case of graphite, Korea relies on 94.5 percent on imports from which country do you think? China. Exactly. So what needs to be done uh, to achieve the government's target?
0: Diversify Um, portfolio.
2: Okay, (laughs) good job, SJ. And how do they do that? You want to continue? By
0: by looking into other countries and uh, loans, interest-free loans to companies and help uh, overseas excavators?
2: Well, did you meet the minister earlier in the day? Or oh, I just what? read the
0: news a lot. Okay.
2: Well, th- to go into the specifics, uh, also what they're looking is for local production of yeah, key materials yeah. and getting rid of barriers and providing support. Uh, so, for instance, spurring foreign investment in cutting-edge sectors as well as encourage local firms to bring back their production facilities overseas back into the country to Korea. The government also has in plan an expansion of its inventory of key materials such as lithium and uh, tax cuts and low interest loans as you mentioned for exca- uh, but actually for excavation operations for a key mi- for key minerals were also mentioned. So that would mean um production by Koreans but in overseas. other overseas, yeah. 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 That's what i meant yeah okay <laughs> of course well and
0: then this goes in line again with uh, de-risking right so mm-hmm. uh, there's so much reliance on on china here when you're saying 90 almost 95 percent of dependence rate on china mm-hmm. for graphite i mean it's staggering uh let's move on here uh this was kind of a surprise to be honest with you because mm-hmm. there was the, the market consensus was that the u.s fed might be raising its rates well uh come wednesday local time uh they ended up freezing its benchmark lending rates here. And this is, the, I believe, the third straight time they made this decision. Uh, Chi, let's get the details of this.
1: Sure. So the U.S. Federal Reserve has decided to maintain its benchmark interest rate at the current range of 5.25 to 5.1%. 5. following its final Federal Open Market Committee meeting of the year. Now, it's the third time that the central bank has raised rates, having kept them uh, steady in September and November. And according to a statement released by the Fed, they've decided to keep interest rates unchanged as there has been a slowdown in economic activity, while progress has been made in lowering inflation. Now, the unemployment rate has not worsened under these circumstances, and recent Indicators suggest that economic growth has slowed compared to the strong pace of the past three quarters. And the statement also noted that employment growth has moderated from earlier this year, but still remains strong. And meanwhile, the unemployment rate remains low, and the statement also mentioned that inflation has eased over the past year, but remains at a high level still. Now, the recent focus of the market was on the Fed's economic outlook for the next year, which it released alongside the meeting results. Now, the Fed projected a median Fed funds rate of 4.6 percent at the end of next year, which is 0.65 to 0.90 percentage points lower than the current rate. So this means that the Fed is expected to cut rates by 25 basis points three times next year. And the market interpreted the Fed's announcement stating that it would assess whether any additional policy firming is required to bring inflation back to its 2% target as a signal of a pause in tightening. Now, in his press conference, Fed Chair Jerome Powell stated that the benchmark interest rate is currently at or near its peak in this phase of tightening. However, he did not rule out the possibility of another hike, as the post-pandemic economy has surprised forecasters in many ways, and there's still uncertainty regarding continued progress towards the 2% inflation target.
0: All right, so we've been watching very carefully what the U.S. Central Bank has been doing with its lending rates, but uh, so a uh, given these developments over in the United States. Like, what are the expectations looking like here with the uh, the South Korean Central Bank?
2: Right. Uh, As the U.S. Federal Reserve hinted at the end of its uh, rate hike cycle, uh, the Bank of Korea also has been, you know, considering when to cut its benchmark interest rate. And uh, that could maybe happen in the second quarter next year, according to forecasts. And uh, we had to OK Chief Lee Chang-yong earlier saying that uh, among uh, the six um, uh, committee members uh, at uh, the, the policy rate meeting, uh, except for him, he said uh, that uh, four of them were uh, kind of open uh, towards a um, hike to 3.7%. Five uh, percent. So that was uh, one expectation that we had. And uh, meanwhile, regarding uh, the latest uh, U.S. Federal Reserve's decision to uh, freeze the key rate and also making these uh, hints of cutting next year, Finance Minister Cho kyung Ho uh, urged relevant state agencies to, uh, you know, make sure to prevent volatility within the domestic financial as well as currency markets. And uh, this. Uh, call has been made during an emergency macroeconomic and financial meeting this Thursday, the so-called Finance 4, which involves BOK Governor Lee Chang-yong, Financial Services Commission Chairman Kim Joo-hyun, as well as Financial Supervisor Service Governor Lee Bo-kyun. And uh, there they made an assessment that local stock prices as well as foreign exchange rates are kind of trending similarly to other major economies, uh, but under relative stability. And also added that the uh, capital market is largely favorable. And they also saw eye to eye on that year-end financing for financial institutions remain stable.
0: Let's move on here with the news here. You have the Korean won rising sharply against the U.S. I believe at the closing today, went up like 24.51 against the U.S. dollar. Uh, You have the benchmark, Cosby going up, the tech-heavy Kostak going up, gold prices going up, Bitcoin prices going up, all because <laughs> it seems like the U.S. Federal Reserve is hinting at some rate cuts next year. Jihee, uh, yeah. let's get the details of this.
1: Right. So the U.S. dollar experienced a significant drop in the prices of gold, and Bitcoin surged after the U.S. Fed decided to keep its benchmark interest rate unchanged, uh, giving a hint of a rate cut in the next year. Now Bloomberg's dollar benchmark dropped by 0.8%, the biggest daily decline since November. And a basket of the top 10 major currencies in the world also strengthened against the greenback after the Fed's decision. And gold prices also rose, with gold futures up by 0.2% at $1,997.3 uh, dollars an ounce. And similarly, Bitcoin, which is the flagship cryptocurrency, rebounded by more than 4%. And uh, Ethereum, the second largest cryptocurrency by market capitalization, rose by 3.38% as well. Now, compared to earlier this year, uh, Bitcoin, the price of it rose by three times, I believe. And South Korean stocks also rose sharply on Thursday as investors bought major tech shares, cheered by the U.S. Fed's hint over the rate cuts in 2024. And the Korean won also rose sharply against the U.S. dollar. And the benchmark KOSPI rose by 33.52 points, or 1.34%, to close at 254418 And the trade volume was high at 522.5 million shares, worth 12.78 trillion won, which is about 9.8 billion U.S. dollars, with winners outnumbering losers 463 to 418. And foreigners bought a net 624.2 billion won, while individuals sold a net 1.33 trillion won, and institutions bought a net 692 billion won. And also investors bought blue chips after the federal reserve uh, announced its decision to keep its rate between uh, the 5.25 and 5.5 percent and hinted that again uh, it might be ending the uh, measure soon
0: yeah both the the stock market the cryptocurrency market and the gold prices spiked back up because yesterday it collapsed uh, because of fear that the U.S. Central uh, Bank was going to actually raise rates. Mm-hmm. But uh, given the fact that they decided to freeze it, now we're seeing a rebound of this. Uh, very quickly, let's move on to our final piece here. Korea's Air Defense Identification Zone Kat, is uh, seeing two Chinese and four Russian aircraft uh, entering its area. Uh, let's talk more about this. So, I'll wrap us up with this.
2: Right, these military aircraft uh, from China and Russia entered South Korea's airspace in the East Sea this Thursday without prior notice. These were detected between eleven fifty-three a.m. and twelve ten p.m., so seventeen minutes. Uh, according to the Joint Chiefs of Staff, they entered the air defense identification zone from the north of Ulleungdo Island and then left it from east of the Dokdo islets. South Korea's military deployed fighter jets in response to the unannounced flight. The military said that the planes did not violate Korea's territorial airspace. Uh, You might think then why uh, you have, you know, these um, Korea's fighter jets respond to that, but there is a difference between uh, what you call an is and also what a nation's airspace is. Mm-hmm. So the Addis is an area where countries uh, unilaterally demand that foreign aircraft uh, take some steps to identify themselves, but it's different from uh, actually a nation's airspace where uh, stronger laws are kind of applied to.
0: That's right. I mean, the, the aid is, or like you say, it's 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 kind of an unwritten rule that mm. you don't want to kind of cross. But uh, this is not the first time uh, both Chinese and uh, Russian aircrafts have entered Canada's and uh, we'll see what kind of message this holds. Guys, thank you very much for your reports today. Have a safe one and we'll see you guys again.
2: Thank see you. Again.